Come on. Happy New Year. All right. I hope you're looking forward to a blessed 2023. Amen. Let's, uh, let's stand if you would. And we're going to sing about Calvary, one of the most important things that we could ever sing about. Amen. Years I spent in vanity and pride. Here we go. Come on, put your hands together. Help us out. For Calvary, say amen this morning if you are. Amen. <laughs> Let's sing this great song. Build your kingdom here. I need the keys. Let your reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire. church.
Tell somebody, put a smile on your face. Tell somebody, Happy New Year this morning. Let's fellowship for a little bit, and then we're going to continue on. your place and you can go ahead and be seated for a second. Brother Martin's going to come and he's going to give us our announcements. Amen. Give Brother Martin a big hand if you would. Good morning. So glad to be here this morning. I hope you are too. Um, I got to make the obligatory dad joke. I haven't seen you since last year. Uh, <laughs> chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. Thank you. I'm sure that one's going to be talked about for, you know, lots of pulpits this morning. So I hope you uh, 
eat lots of cabbage today. Hope you eat lots of black-eyed peas. But I hope that you remember that the only peace is found in Jesus. Amen. All that stuff is good, but, uh, you know, I'm glad to be back in the normal routine. I'm glad that we are starting our normal routine back up. Um, I guess first things first, do we have any first-time visitors here this morning? If you are a first-time visitor, Jocelyn, you don't count. You don't count either. Um, all right, so we're, we're back to full slate this week. We have Wednesday morning Bible study uh, from 10 to 11 right here. Brother Mark teaches us that. And then we have Wednesday night services. We're going to be back to eating some delicious meals at 6 p.m. And then at 7, we uh, have youth service in here. Kids have something. Adults have something. Um, Sunday school for all ages from 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. I will be here probably for the next uh, month or so. And I'm working out of the book of John, and we are getting to the meat of uh, the gospel, which is the last week of Jesus' life. So if you would like to be sharpened, uh, be here at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Uh, we do need help with teachers and helpers uh, with children, toddlers on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. Uh, see Miss Cindy if you're able to help with that. Um, our water supply is running low. Am I, am I correct in that? So uh, if you uh, are able to bring some water, just pick up an extra case at the grocery store when you go. We're always using water. Um, giving can be done regular way with an envelope and a check, which I still do, or online at giving.landmarktyler.com. It is uh, set up through PayPal. Some of you are a little more fancy than I am, so if you do it that way, I'm sure it makes it easier. Uh, we do need volunteers uh, on the cleaning team. I see Miss Kate back here. If you would like to volunteer, the more people we have volunteer, the better or easier it is on everybody else. Um, do want to thank you for all your contributions to the angel tree this year. Uh, the tree provided presents for 50 children this year, so give yourself a round of applause. We are back to our regular schedule. There will be no life recovery class today. Uh, the last thing Ms. Vicki wanted me to thank you for giving to the angel tree. Thank you for uh, helping put out all the Christmas stuff. Thank you for just being here, being present. Those of you that did bring an ornament, your family ornament, she is asking if you wouldn't mind staying for just a few minutes after service. She'd like to get a picture of all the families that are represented with ornaments, so please do that after service. And again, uh, hope you, we start off this, this year great by being in church service. That's the main thing right there. Amen. 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 Give Brother Martin a hand, if you would. Yes, and, uh, and uh, one note on that, uh, Miss Vicki did say, uh, if you want to continue to bring ornaments, if you didn't bring one, go ahead and bring them. Uh, we're, we're collecting them for next year. And we want to just fill this tree with uh, ornaments that represent every family uh, in Landmark. Amen. Well, Miss uh, Louisa Hutcherson is going to come, and she's going to sing a wonderful song. Give Miss Louisa a big hand, if you would. Every 
that good? Now, I don't know if you know, that was Spanish she was speaking, amen? She wasn't speaking in tongues, she was, uh, she, she is full of the Spirit, but she didn't get full of the Spirit there, that's Spanish, amen? Well, let's continue, uh, stand up one more time, we're going to sing one more song, and uh, we're going to sing the King of My Heart, amen? And if you've not made him the King of your heart, uh, you need to do that today, amen? Let's sing it together.
God, we thank you for your mercy, your grace. We thank you that, Lord, you are the king of our hearts. And I pray, Lord, today that, God, you would move in an incredible way. God, may we release everything to you. God, as we go into a new year, God, I pray that, Lord, we would set our hearts on you and we would set our minds on things above, God. And Lord, I pray that, God, you would just bless everything that happens in this place. Lord, as we continue to worship through the preaching of your word, God, I pray that, God, you would just use me as your vessel, God. Move me out of the way today, Lord. There is nothing good in me except you today. And so I ask you, Lord, move my flesh out of the way, my ego, my pride. And God, I just pray that you'd be able to use me as an empty vessel. And God, may we set our hearts towards you today on the first day of this new year. We ask you to bless this year. Bless Landmark Baptist Church, Lord. Bless this church. Bless the kingdom of God. We pray for many souls to be saved. We thank you for those that were saved in 2022. We praise you for another year gone by. But, Lord, we look forward. We look ahead. We look towards the race that is before us. And God ask you to just move in an incredible way during this year. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, you may be seated. If you've got children that would like to go to Children's Church, they can meet Miss Cindy over here at the door. And uh, give our children and our Children's Church workers a big hand, if you would. I'll tell you, you know, Brother Richard made the comment to me several times, and I totally agree with it. I, I don't know how people make it that don't have a church family, uh, you know, because you need you need that support. You need people to rally around you. You need people to love on you. And uh, you know, again, it's technology is wonderful, and I know COVID introduced uh, most churches uh, had to go to church online, and it's a wonderful thing in one aspect in that uh, it can, people can see the sermon and watch the service uh, that maybe would have never been able to be here in other states, in other countries. Uh, but there is a negative side to it, and that is that uh, I think it's made us a little bit lazier. Uh, it's easier to sit at home in your living room and watch it online than it is to actually get up, put your clothes on, come down here. Uh, but you are missing a key aspect, amen, and I say that to anybody watching online. Uh, find you a local church, get plugged in, uh, because there are some things the body of Christ can do that, uh, that can't be done online. And so uh, we, God meant for us 
to be one-on-one, face-to-face. Uh, God meant for us to do life together, amen, and you can't do life together online necessarily, uh, so I uh, encourage you uh, to, uh, to get plugged in in church, and uh, that's kind of a, a segue into the, uh, into the New Year sermon, because the New Year sermon, I'm going to say a couple of dirty words. Well, that got your attention, didn't it? The two dirty words are commitment and consistency. Two things that most of us lack in our lives, right? And so uh, those are the dirty words for the day. But we're going to, you know, there's no better time, New Year's. How many of you make New Year's resolutions? All right, a couple. Uh, I stopped after I, after I failed for the hundredth time, amen? Uh, and, and New Year's resolutions, hey, there's nothing wrong with setting a goal. But I would tell you this, uh, what I'm going to talk about today is is it's not just about setting resolutions, it's about committing yourself to the Lord. And we're going to look at that today. The title of the sermon is, It's a New Year, Take Back Your Life. Uh, If you are not happy with where you ended 2022 spiritually, guess what? There's only one person that can change that, and that's you. And that's by making a decision that I'm going to live life differently. I'm going, to, I'm going to take back my life. The things that I did not do in 2022, I want to commit to do those things in 2023. And, uh, and the only person that can affect that is you and the Lord. Amen? And so I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, first scripture today, it is in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. And it says this, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. This is the Lord talking. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The Lord is doing a new thing. The Lord wants to do a new thing. The Lord is all about, you know, we, we start the new year. And quite honestly, the new year is just our calendar. And it's just another day, so to speak. But many times we use New Year's as kind of a, a fresh starting point. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. How many of you going to go to the gym more in 2023? <laughs> See, y'all are not committing, amen? <laughs> y'all are not committing. Uh, how many of you going to lose weight in 2023? All right. Uh, you know, listen, and again, there's nothing wrong with setting those goals, but we must understand that, uh, that you've, got to, uh, you've got to commit to it, and you've got to be consistent with it. Nothing's going to change if you don't commit to the change and be consistent with the change, all right? And so the Lord does want to do a new thing, but uh, we must let the Lord help us do that, and we must commit to that, all right? Um, What do you think is different about the people who seem fulfilled in life and the people who just don't seem fulfilled in life? What do you think the difference is? The difference is this. Uh, The difference is it's all about... Walking in the Spirit and living in the Lord and letting the Lord guide your life. Uh, Stuff will not fulfill you. Money will not fulfill you. Your job, even if it's the greatest job in the world, will not fulfill you. You must find your fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the things that he has set before you, all right? Uh, And you say, well, you know, aren't those... Aren't those actors and actresses in Hollywood happy? No, no. Uh, People, uh, listen, I know that the rest of the world sometimes feels like, why did people have it together? 
you know, some people have great relationships. They seem financially secure. They've got everything they need. They seem to love life. And it seems like, why does my neighbor have true meaning and purpose in their life, and I seem to struggle? You ever been there? I've been there. It's called keeping up with the Joneses, and sometimes we get caught up, caught up on that. But sometimes you look at other people's life, and you wonder, why do they seem to have it all together? And why do they seem to have a fulfilled and contented life? And I seem to always be struggling. I seem to always feel empty. Uh, and, and some people want to say, well, it's because of intelligence or good looks or talent. Can I tell you this? That is not true. Uh, I know many people who are, uh, who are intelligent, but they are not fulfilled in life. Uh, in fact, sometimes their intelligence keeps them from being fulfilled in life because they analyze everything in life. And they set, their, they set the bar so high that nobody can keep it, including themselves. Uh, I know people who are the most talented people in the world, and they are not completely fulfilled. Again, you go to Hollywood, and uh, why, why do they have one of the higher suicide rates of any place, you know? Uh, why are there people who seem happy on the outside but yet take their own life? Uh, why do the people who seem like they have everything, even the people who put that mask on, uh, like a Robin Williams, who uh, seem to be the happiest, go-lucky person in the world, and yet take their own life? And uh, we see it every single day. Um, uh, I see smart people that are miserable. I see talented people uh, that are, are miserable. I see uh, people that are broke. I see attractive people that can't hold a relationship. They may be attractive, and uh, people may be drawn to them, but they can't seem to have a steady relationship in their life. All right? So none of those things, talent, looks, uh, uh, intelligence, none of those things matter. So what is the difference in somebody who lives a fulfilled life? I believe it is this. Look at this slide. The quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. You need to write that down or take a picture of it. The quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. All right? Why is that? Because anybody here know anybody makes bad decisions? Anybody in here ever made a bad decision? Yeah. Um, I, I tell people this all the time whenever I'm counseling, that your life is made up of it's the culmination of all of the good decisions and all of the bad decisions that you've made in your life. And I want you to understand that if you want your life to be better, you have to learn to make better decisions. Uh, most of us, we fail at that. We fail, and, and many times we don't know why we fail. Well, I want to talk about today. Um, the problem is, again, we are not great decision makers. Uh, we, we say, I want to lose weight, but we eat more than we should. We say, uh, I, want, I want to get my financial house in order, but I buy things I can't afford. Uh, I want to have good relationships, but I say things I regret. Hello. Uh, I do things I don't want to do. Sometimes I end up hurting the people I love the most. Amen. Who are the people who usually get the brunt of our unhappiness? Those people we love the most, those people who are in the house with us, and those people who we should be cherishing more than anybody, those are the people we end up hurting the most. Amen? So, um, why do we struggle to make good decisions? I'm going to give you three reasons, and number three is really kind of one of the main things, but the other two are very important. So, number one, let's look at it. Number one is... We are overwhelmed with choices. Um, 
A recent study said that the average American makes 35,000 decisions every single day. Now, most of those are little small decisions. What am I going to eat this morning? Uh, what am I going to wear? Um, you know, what uh, do I need to stop and get gas? Do I need to do this? You know, most of them are little small, what we would say are kind of insignificant decisions. But uh, they can mount up. Even, even insignificant decisions, you make 35,000 of those decisions in a day, it will wear you out. Amen? And we just live, we don't live simple lives, do we? We live complicated lives. And we should be trying to make life simpler. And we've got all these electronic gadgets that are supposed to make our life simpler, but what do they do? They make life way more complicated, don't they? Because uh, you, can't, you can't ever get away from this phone, can you? You can't ever get away from somebody finding you, contacting you. It used to be when you left your house, oh, good Lord, you know, you're gone. It's like you just vanished, amen? And it used to be nobody was going to talk to you until you got back home again, amen? Unless they were with you or ran into you. And that's just the way it was. And that's not that long ago, is it? But these things have connected us. And for all the good, it's 100,000 times more bad than it is good, amen? Uh, I think we need to sometimes, I wish we could just chunk all this. It's kind of impossible now because we're all tied to it, aren't we? We're all married to it, so to speak. But I'm here to tell you, learn to simplify your life. Part of, the, part of what I'm going to talk about today is just learn to live simpler. Learn to get rid of, I, I would say this, learn to get rid of as much technology in your life as you can get rid of. Now, again, I understand uh, it's kind of one of the things we too far to turn back now kind of on, on a lot of it. But I would say simplify and try to get away from it as much as you can. Because uh, we can't even have eye-to-eye conversations anymore because we're all on our phones, right? We're all on our phones. We're all, uh, you know, we can't, we can't even have a, a, a one-on-one conversation. Uh, you, you, you sit down at lunch with somebody. This is a pet peeve of mine. But if I go to lunch with you, don't be looking at your phone while we're eating lunch. Amen? I came to talk with you, and I came to have a conversation with you. And quite honestly, that's rude. Rude and disrespectful. Amen? Now watch. I'll probably go and do it this afternoon. Somebody, but, And I'm not saying I'm innocent of it. Amen? And why do we feel the need? We, we feel like we've got to look at it every five seconds, like we're going to miss something. What did we do before all that came along? What did we do? Amen? So we are overwhelmed with decisions, 35,000 decisions every day. Here's what happened. A cognitive scientist uh, came up with a name for it, and they actually, it's a syndrome now, and it is called decision fatigue. Most people today make so many decisions and have to make so many decisions. Maybe you have a high-pressure job where you not only have to make all the decisions in your family's life, but then you go to work and you are inundated with decision after decision after decision, and it just wears people out, and you get your brain gets tired, and you get decision fatigue. Uh, as the here's what the the scientists found out: as the volume of decisions increase, the quality of the decisions decrease. Amen. So the more that you have to make, the more decisions you have to make, the less quality that you make. You don't make good decisions because you're just overwhelmed. And it just wears you out, all right? Number two, uh, reason we struggle to make good decisions, we're afraid of making a wrong choice. Now, this one's a favorite one of mine because I hear a lot of people say, 
when all this happens and when I get this straightened out, I'm going to do great things for the Lord. When this happens or this happens or I get this degree or I get this job or whatever it may be, then I'm going to do great things for the Lord. Listen, if you can't decide to start doing great things for the Lord right now today, then you ain't going to do them. Amen. You must decide and commit yourself. If, if you want to do it, get after it. Amen. But doing nothing, we, we tend to just go on lockdown because we tend to say, well, what if I make the wrong choice? What if I miss God's will? And listen, we treat God's will like some big, mysterious thing out there that God does not want us to find. And he's sending us on a scavenger hunt trying to find it. Listen, God wants you to know his will. And it is not as mysterious as you think. A lot of it is just in the way he's already created you, the passions he's already put on your heart, the, uh, the desires that you already have, the, the natural things that he already wired you with can already give you clues as to where God wants you to do it. And the fact of the matter is a lot of people say, well, I got, you know, I'm going to do this when I do this. Listen, if you want to be a writer, a lot of people will ask you, if you want to be a writer, start writing. Well, I don't, but I got I to gotta go to school and I got to get a degree. No, no. Uh, you can do all that, and that's wonderful. Yes, I think you should do that. But if you want to be a writer, start writing. Well, I, you know, I, I want to write songs. Well, just start writing songs. Amen. Uh, and I, I'm not saying don't go to school and don't do the things that get the training you need. But most people say it's always when. It's always I'm going to do great things then then, then. Amen? No, if you're going to do it, just get after it. I've been doing this all my life. I started when I was 19. I can tell you I did not have a clue what I was doing when I was 19 years old. But there was a church, thank God, that was patient enough to take me and my friend. He'd surrendered to youth ministry. I'd surrendered to worship ministry. This little church hired us, and I did the music, and he helped me with music, and then I helped him with youth, and we just learned because we didn't know nothing. We, we didn't have any schooling. We were just barely older than the kids themselves because we were 19, and they were in high school. But we just got after it. And we didn't know anything about evangelism. We didn't know anything about what are you supposed to do to be a youth minister or what are you supposed to do to lead worship. We just got, at, we got in there, and we just did it. Amen? And that's, the way, that's the best way for you to learn. Don't always say, I'm going to start this. I'm going to do great things when. Just start it. you got to start somewhere. Start today. What's wrong with today? And just get after it. Now, when you get further down the line, yes, I did go get schooling. And yes, I got trained. And yes, I learned as I went. But guess, guess what? Nothing replaces good old on-the-job training. If you want to get better at preaching, the only way to get better at preaching is you got to preach some bad ones. Amen? If you want to get better as a musician... Somebody's got to suffer. As a musician, my poor mom and daddy had to listen to some, some uh, terrible noises coming out of my room. Amen? Uh, but it's the, the only way to get better is to practice and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Amen? And so quit waiting. Listen, there is a thing called God's perfect will, and I understand that. And I think that's what all of us want. Oh, Brother Mark, I, just, I don't want to make a mistake because I just want God's perfect will. And that's a wonderful thing. But can I tell you this? There's a whole lot more of God's permissive will than there is God's perfect will. And God's permissive will says, even if, Mark, just trust me, 
even if you make a mistake, even if you go down the wrong road, I'm God and I'm omnipresent, omniscient, and I'll lead you right back over here on the road you need to be on. That's how good God is. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to, we, we fret so much that we just get on lockdown. Most people don't ever do anything for the Lord because they're so afraid of doing the wrong thing. Don't be afraid to do the wrong thing. The only way you, you learn a lot of times to do the right thing is do the wrong thing enough times to learn, I don't need to do that again. Amen? So quit making excuses. And this is all it really is, is we continue to make excuse after excuse after excuse. Whatever it is you want to do, just start doing it. All right? And commit yourself to the Lord because that's going to be a big one. All right? Um, we want, everybody wants to, uh, young people, when you get out of high school, everybody, I want to go to the perfect school. What school do I need to go to? Or what job training do I need to do? Or I, I want the perfect job. I want the perfect house. I want the perfect marriage. Anybody here got the perfect marriage? All right, you're going to lead a class. Amen. Uh, listen, it's, it's wonderful. And I am sure that you have a great marriage. But quite honestly, nobody really has a perfect marriage. There's really no such thing as a perfect marriage. There's really no such thing as the perfect house. I remember the days, you know, a lot of you women, the little house with the white picket fence, and everything's going to be just like it is on the, on the TV. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have a dinner cooked for my husband every night, and I'll greet him at the door and all those things. Yeah, no, that, that don't happen anymore. But, but anyway, we, we all have these visions kind of of what we think is the perfect thing. And can I tell you this? It does not exist. All right? We're all dysfunctional to some degree. I tell you this as your preacher because I know most of you, and you know me. And there is some level of dysfunctionality in all of us, in all of our families. Amen? But we do the best we can, and we say, Lord, I'm going to do the best I can, and you help me to be the best husband I can be. Help me to be the best wife I can be. Help me to be the best father I can be. Help me to be the best mother, grandfather, grandmother. Help me to do the best I can do. There's no such thing as the perfect parent or the perfect grandparent or the perfect husband or wife. There is, but there is God's perfect will, and that, that would be wonderful if we could reach perfection, but we all know it's not attainable. So it's God's permissive will that is really the one we need to be looking for, which means, God, I'm going to trust you, and even if I happen to make a mistake, I ain't even going to worry about it because I know you got the power to just put me right back on the road I need to be on, and that's just trust in God. That's called faith. And every one of us needs more faith in here. Amen. So don't be afraid. Don't get on lockdown. Uh, let, let me say this. Sometimes, since we aren't sure, we don't make any decision. And indecision is a decision. Indecision, and let me say this. Indecision is the enemy of progress. If you want to make progress, don't get indecisive. Now, I, I live, I'm not going to mention any names, uh, but, you know, some people are wired. They're, they're very indecisive, amen? It's hard for them to make a decision. Listen, I know where I want to eat. That's one of the biggest ones that comes up every day, isn't it? Where are we going to eat? I can tell you exactly what I'm hungry for. I can tell you exactly what I'm tasting, and I can tell you exactly where I want to eat. But that really don't matter, right? <laughs> and so it becomes, where are we going to eat? And, you know, it's, you, can, you can spend an hour, two hours trying to figure that out. And that's one of those little insignificant ones. 
if you can't make a decision on where to eat tonight, can you imagine on the major decisions how bad it is? Amen? And so we just get on lockdown. Can I say this? Indecision is no decision. Because what happens if you don't decide, most decisions have to be made pretty quickly and in the moment. And if you don't have the ability to make a decision quickly, and you don't have a, an ability to just say, Lord, I'm going with you. I'm just trusting you. This is what I feel. And so I'm going with it. You're probably going to miss the opportunity. How many times has the Lord told you, I need to speak to that person. I need to share the gospel with that person. I need to do this, this, or this with that person. And can I tell you this? That we need to be able to just make that decision. All right? Because I have missed opportunities with the Lord. Everybody look at me. I have missed opportunities. I have missed sharing the gospel with people. I have missed the opportunity to mend relationships. I have missed the opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else. I have missed the opportunity because I was locked down. Oh, God, well, I, I would do it, but what, what will they think of me? I might embarrass myself, or I don't really know the right words to say. You ever been there? Listen, it's happened to all of us. But I can tell you this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he shall direct your paths. That's really the key on all of this. Trust in the Lord. Commit it to him, all right? All right. Number three is the big one, because I feel like this is one of the main problems. We let emotions overrule logic. Um, I kind of inherited this from my dad. My dad was a very quiet person, but he was a very logical person. Now, I called him a pessimist. He said he was a realist. He said, I'm just being real. Everybody's out to get you. Watch over your shoulder. Amen. And, and I can relate. I got some of that from him. Uh, but my dad was very good. Uh, he did not let his emotions overrule him. He was not a very emotional person. He was not a touchy-feely, huggy person. Later in life, he got he softened up a little bit. Amen. Grandkids will do that to you. Amen. Uh, but my dad was very good at just laying things out, seeing what the logic was, and then going with the most logical choice. Now, that may sound real easy, but sometimes that's a lot harder than it seems, isn't it? Because our emotions are so strong. Are, are you an emotional person? Sure, probably a lot of people in this room are. And it's easy to just let your emotions run away with you. And every decision you make is based on those emotions. That can get you in trouble, amen? Uh, sometimes we spend way too much time analyzing. Any overanalyzers out there? Let me speak to you for just a second. Uh, you can analyze it to death. And again, miss the opportunity. Uh, you can analyze it to death and miss the opportunity. Sometimes, and I'm going to say even most of the time, you need to trust the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to just give me the gut to what I need to do. Now, here's the difference. Can you trust your gut? That's a question that's been asked me many times. And I answer it by this way. How close are you to the Lord? Because if the Holy Spirit lives within you and you are very close to him, you can implicitly trust your gut. Because the Holy Spirit is guiding you. You are walking in the Spirit. So your gut is going to be right all the time. Because the Spirit is leading you. Even when it doesn't seem right, he is leading you, right? 
if you are not close to the Lord and you are not walking in the Spirit, no, you cannot trust your gut. Because your gut's probably just all over the place with emotions and all these other things and the worries and the fears and the anxiety. Oh, my God, what will happen if I make the wrong choice? If that's you, you ain't never going to make a good decision. But the person who can say, you know what, Lord, I give this over to you. Lord, I just give this to you. I commit it to you, and I just decide right now, I'm going to commit it to you. And so, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, the answer is yes. And just give me the instinct to do what I need to do, go the direction I need to go. Now, did you notice I said that dirty word, commit? Commit. All right? You must commit your way to the Lord. Uh, Sometimes we can overanalyze the things that don't matter. Can I tell you most of the stuff you're going to sit down and overanalyze, most of it is little insignificant details that in the end will not matter. So be careful not to overanalyze. So often the emotional decisions are the ones that hurt us the most. If you, can, can I tell you this? This has always been a rule for me. Never make a decision when you're angry. Right? Why? You're going to be acting out of anger. And revenge, spite, bitterness, all that's going to come into play. Uh, never make a decision while you're too high. And when I say too high, I don't mean the other kind of high. I mean too emotionally high. Amen? Never make a decision when you're too emotionally high because you're probably going to be thinking a little too much, too highly of yourself. And you need, you need to come down a little bit. Never make a decision when you're way too low because you're depressed and you're, you're wallowing in pity, and you do not make a decision based on the way you feel at that moment. All right? So, uh, again, Paul discovered, what did Paul say? He said, I have learned to be content in all things. That's a real key right there. Paul just was steady, 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 even keel. Didn't get too high, didn't get too low. He said, I've had it all. I've had nothing. Been chased out of town, beaten. I've been in palaces, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, amen? That's, that's a key thing on emotionally where you and I need to be, all right? Um, so I want to tell you this, uh, the, uh, the power of pre-deciding. Look at Proverbs 16.3, and this is the one I've been talking about. Look at this. Every one of us needs to memorize this. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Amen? What would happen in 2023 if you committed every one of your works to the Lord? And this, this is what I mean by predeciding. You just predecide, Lord, whatever you ask me to do in 2023, I say yes. I don't know what all you're going to ask me, but I just go ahead and decide I'm going to say yes. Lord, when you tell me to go a certain direction or take a certain road, I'm just going to take it. And I'm going to pre-decide right now. You've heard me say many times, the things in your life, you must pre-decide them. You don't decide when you're in the back of the car being pressured by that girlfriend or boyfriend to have sex. You don't decide in that moment you're not going to have sex. Right? Now, I'm getting a little real here, amen? But that's okay. That's the way I get you make that decision before you ever got in the car. Otherwise, you ain't going to win that battle. Amen? 
You must pre-decide. If you want to pre-decide, I'm going to get my financial house in order. Every time you're on that computer, that one-eyed devil, and you click it, and something comes up, and you say, ooh, Amazon, I gots to have it. <laughs> no. You must pre-decide. I don't need it. Get behind me, Satan. Put the mouse away. Amen? Anything that you tell. So most of these things in life, if we would just take this one verse and live it, it would be amazing. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Commit, 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 commit. Decide right now, first day, 2023, Lord, I am pre-committing myself to you. Anything you ask me, anything you tell me to do, I am pre-committing to it. All right? Uh, here's the thing. Here's the big question. What do you value in life? Do you value money? Do you value your job? Or do you value integrity? Do you value faithfulness? Do you value purity? Do you value generosity? You see, here's the thing that we must understand. When your values are clear, your decisions are easier. When your values are clear, your decisions are easier. You may be able to say, well, Brother Mark, I don't know about this pre-deciding. Let me tell you. Let me give you some biblical examples. Remember Abraham? And Abraham had Isaac. And Isaac, he takes Isaac up the mountain. And God tells Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. And what does Abraham say? You see, here's the deal. Abraham had already decided. He had pre-decided, God, you've been faithful to me. Whatever you ask me to do, no matter how crazy it sounds, I'm going to do it. So Abraham... And here we are, thousands of years later, talking about him and his faithfulness, right? Because he had pre-decided, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. And that was the test, wasn't it? The test was, no, you don't have to kill Isaac. Here's a lamb. You can put that on the altar. But I just wanted to see if you would do it. I just wanted to see, Abraham. You told me you would be faithful and you would follow me, whatever. But I wanted to see if you really would. But why was Abraham able to do that? Because he'd already pre-decided long before that, that, Lord, you've been too good to me, and whatever you ask me to do, how could I say no? How could I say no? Right? Okay? What about Ruth? Ruth and Naomi. Ruth loved Naomi so much that she finally says that I want to be where you are. Where you go, I will go. and Where you live, I will live. And she commits herself that no matter what happens, I'm going to stay with you. Can I tell you this? Let me speak to the married couples. If you want to end up without a divorce, you need to understand that Christ has predetermined he wants your marriage to work. He wants you to fight for your marriage. And you must predecide that I want to be married. I am committed to my marriage. I am committed to my spouse. Now listen, here's the hard thing about marriage. I know you can't control that other person, but you can only control your side of it. And it takes two to make it work. It takes two to mess it up. But I'm here to tell you, from your side of, point, from your side of view, I tell people all the time this in marital counseling, is uh, if, if you get to the end of your marriage and you end up getting divorced, you want to be able to look in the mirror and say to yourself, I did everything I could to fight for my marriage. 
You want to be able to look yourself in the eye and say, I did everything I could do. I was committed to my marriage. You must pre-decide. I can tell you this. Me and Miss Julie, we don't always agree. We don't always see eye to eye. Say amen, Miss Julie. <laughs> she won't do it. But I will tell you this. The word divorce never comes up. Why? Because we just pre-decided a long time ago. That's a word that's never going to enter our vocabulary. Amen? We may want to kill each other, but we ain't going to divorce. Amen? <laughs> just being real again, all right? So, uh, so the bottom line is this. You must have a battle plan. So I'm going to end by this. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And I'm going to end it like this because uh, I believe that everybody, the biggest thing in 2023 is everybody needs to have a battle plan. If you don't have a battle plan, you're not going to win the battle. Ask anybody who's been in the military. You've been in the military, you understand, you got to have a battle plan. You go into a battle, a battle with no battle plan, you can plan on losing, all right? And so there must be a battle plan. Put the last slide up, if you would. I love what this says. And again, write it down, take a picture of it. Because it says this, and I think we all need to take this to heart. If your life is moving in the direction of your decisions, do you like the directions your decisions are taking you? Have you made, let's look back at 2022. We, we spent all day today looking forward, but let's look back. Are you happy with all the decisions that you made in 2022? Probably not. Not all of them. But if you didn't like some of them you made, then today's a great day to change them. If you don't like the direction that those decisions in 2022 took you, commit yourself, commit to change that in 2023. And the two, what's the other dirty word? Consistency. It don't matter how you start. I could start a diet tomorrow, but if I don't make it to the end of January, it ain't going to do me much good, is it? So it's not about losing, and this is what I always tell people, losing weight's not the problem. I've lost a ton of it, but I've gained a whole lot more back, amen? Uh, losing weight's not the problem. Keeping weight off is the problem. And what does that come down to? Consistency. Getting your financial house in order. Again, that is something that uh, happens. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight, but you've got to commit yourself to it, and you must be consistent with it. If you, if you did good financially today, but you turn around and do something dumb tomorrow, then that doesn't do any good. You must be consistent. Whatever it is, you can lay alcohol down. You can lay cigarettes down. You can lay drugs down. That's not hard. Laying it down is not hard. Staying off of it is hard. Amen? Because now you have to say, I'm going to live the rest of my life without this, knowing that I'm probably going to have to battle with it the rest of my life. But you must remain consistent. Whatever we want to do in life, if we're going to break the chains of bondage, we must be consistent. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. God, I pray that you'd help us to be consistent. And Lord, I pray that you'd uh, teach us to be consistent and to commit ourselves to you, Father. We love you, Lord. We praise you for all that you've done in our lives, Lord. I pray that you'd have your will and your way in this time together today as we uh, sing this song, God. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Uh, Brother Martin, if you would come, uh, I'm going to sing this song because Miss Julie's struggling this morning. But if you want somebody to pray for you, Brother Martin's going to be here. If you just want to come to the altar, 
If you want to come join the church, if you need to get saved or you need to recommit yourself to the Lord, you can come uh, as we sing this song together, okay?
sing that chorus. The way, the truth, the light, yes, I believe you are the way, the truth, the light, I it's a new horizon. Maybe believe that this morning. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, I want to wish you a happy new year. Uh, I want to thank you for coming. I know after uh, some of you stayed up a little later than you normally do uh, last night, some of you didn't make it past 10 o'clock because I know you, amen. Uh, but I appreciate you coming and being here. I can think of no better place to be on the first day of the year than in church with God's people, amen. Now, I want you to have a great 2023. I'm going to be talking uh, some more about some of these subjects, about uh, the things that we want to see for 2023 for the next few weeks. So, uh, so don't miss it, all right? Everything is back to normal, back to schedule. And so, uh, Miss Vicki, did you want to, where'd Miss Vicki go? You wanted to meet with the, if you uh, gave a family ornament, is that right? You're going to want to take a picture, right? So if you gave a family ornament, she wants to get a group picture up here by the tree. Uh, God bless you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. You are dismissed.